Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the privilege of having a discussion with E.C. on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles of play and the actions worth carrying out, as a result, it's our goal to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Hello, how are you, EC? I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Before we get into this, you know, there's been some requests for us to do a choreographed TikTok <laughs> dance. <laughs> there has been by me, I think. Okay. There's been a request by me. No. Okay. Anyway, just letting you know that's coming up on another episode. Another <laughs> we're episode. We're preparing is, for it. It's, it's going to be a, it's a strange choice to do on a podcast, but we're going to just <laughs> dance and let people imagine what that looks like. No, you are on TikTok. How does a person find you on TikTok? As far as I've I understand, just optimize me nutrition. Yes, it's a new it's a new field for me as well. There's lots of <laughs> clapping and winking and different dances, but people also do put out regular content, so it's not apparently, just a dance app. Yeah. Apparently, so right. there are, there so I find, am at optimize me nutrition. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> go find easy on TikTok if that is a kind of thing that you do. Okay, right. so today we're going to talk about literally the opposite of TikTok, which is a yes. book. Yes. Okay. We have talked about before your general disdain for mainstream diet books. Yeah. Remind me of the one book that we've talked about that you that was favorable, Hungry Brain. Yeah. Am I getting that right? By Stephen okay, so mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've mentioned about we've mentioned that, and we have stumbled upon another book that you are willing to at least recommend enough that folks check it out. So yeah. we're going to talk about a book called Burn by Herman Pons Ponster. Probably not pronouncing that right. So we're going to dive into I think come a couple of your big takeaways from what that book is, why you think folks or it's worth folks reading. But I wanted to take this opportunity because we don't because you don't often find books you yourself don't often find books that you're like yeah no this one's worth reading. I'm curious. Because you spent a lot of time reading PubMed, as one does. I know it's not like you're just not paying attention to things. It's just like you're choosing mm-hmm. not to you're you're choosing not to spend that time with books. You're choosing it to spend it elsewhere in terms of understanding, in terms of learning, in terms of researching. Mm-hmm. And so how do you make the determination, like, okay, I'm gonna put PubMed aside for a day, <laughs> ten days, five days, whatever. I'm gonna go pick up a book instead. Like I'm just curious, like, what is your sort of filter system? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you come across, I'm sure people send you like, oh, hey, easy. What about this book? Right. So like, wh- how do you make the determination? Be like, okay, that one seems worth it. Or I'm going to give it enough of a chance to, to know if it is worth it. Do you have a yeah. sort of a filter system? It's not a highly organized one, but <laughs> some of them are just questions. I think the intuitive eating podcast we did was just mm-hmm. because of that. We also did reviews of the carnivore diet and the plant paradox, and I certainly had gotten questions about them. I would say that I had a little bit more skin in the game. You know, when people are recommending something that's completely the opposite of me, it makes me wonder what their evidence is, which of course Mm -hmm. isn't really there, but that's okay. It's good to look at it anyway and to understand their opinion. And so that was a little bit more driven by that. You know, this one came to the top of the pile largely because I had seen other favorable reviews of it. So I've mentioned before, I appreciate his content, though I don't know him personally, Lane Norton. I don't know where I saw Mm -hmm. it, but I I think I saw him say that he liked the book Burn. And then my mentor, Denise Canellis, who we had on for the cancer episode, she mentioned that she liked it. 
And he also came out with a study last year that we talked about in one of the bonus episodes. And so it was sort of this, okay, I've heard this enough. And, you know, yep. he's done research in the area that we've talked about that. Let me go ahead and read this and, and see, mm-hmm. see what it's got. And it turns out that yes, it is good. <laughs> cool. And remind me and remind listeners, what was the episode where you broke down, was it, I think it was the mm, carnivore one, I think it is you the broke down one, yeah. kind of the blueprint for mainstream nutrition yeah. books in yeah. the context of like, this is malarkey and this yeah. is why. Was it the carnivore book or the carnivore episode? I think so. I'm 99% okay. sure it is. Yeah, it is. And 100% sure. And, you know, interestingly enough. I like that. It just went from, I think so, 90% sure, 100% sure in like three seconds right there. I like that. I had to, I had to think through the, <laughs> through the episode. But I think something interesting to point out is this book doesn't follow that format. Hmm. So, cool. you know, that book was sort of why I don't like mainstream books. And here we have a book, in my opinion, that doesn't follow that format. Okay. So before we get into the book itself, one more kind of process yeah. question, which is if folks are out there and they're in the bookstore, they're like, you know, I want to, I want to read something about nutrition. Do you have criteria that you might, uh, might, that you might offer, or again, another filter through which you, they, you might suggest folks look at the bookshelf through and say, okay, is this, that one seems worth it. That one seems like junk science, like whatever mm-hmm. it might be, anything that is kind of, kind of shorthand that you, that you can give to people for the next time they're at the bookstore, whenever they're scrolling Amazon. Yeah. I don't think you can do it off the cover. I think even mm. this book has a little bit of a hook for marketing on the cover. So I think they would have to spend some time with the interior to decide that, which I don't know, you know, if you're going to do in the bookstore, but one of the things that yep we talked about in that carnivore episode was this kind of marketing in the cell of these different diet books. And they often use kind of a fear tactic of like, this is what's wrong. And I have the answer and I'm here to save the day. And oftentimes that is in the beginning, partially because that's how they hook you. And so Mm -hmm. I think some of what people can use to discern good books and bad books in this space is just the tone. Like, do you have a really emotional response within the first page of, oh my gosh, everything I thought I knew was wrong and this guy has mm-hmm. the answer? That's actually probably a good sign that it that it's not the book to keep <laughs> and to keep looking for something else because they're trying to prey on your fear a little bit and this book definitely doesn't have that. The other thing that I want to bring up, which I honestly haven't looked at too much, but it's called Red Pen Reviews. And mm. I think Stefan Guiné is part of that who wrote Hung- Hungry Brain, but I might not be right on that. But the idea is they go through these nutrition books with a red pen in theory, right, to show how accurate it is. And so they'll give books a score. And I, I from what I know, I think they've done about eight or so but you can look and see, okay, what did they say about that book? You might find out that they think it's 60% accurate based on looking at all of the citations and stuff like that, which yep. is just interesting then, because then when you go to pick it up, you're like, okay, about 40% of this is wrong. Here we go. <laughs> Let me take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> interesting. So it's like a nerd's rotten tomato. Exactly. Rotten tomatoes. Okay. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, and that was called red, red pen reviews? Red pen reviews. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So let's get into, let's get into burn. Like I mentioned, we're going to do kind of some of your big takeaways from this book, but maybe for, for, I assume most of us who haven't read this yet, can you give us kind of a little bit of context, a little bit of the big picture here so that we can kind of get into the takeaways with some, with some of that context? Called burn, as we mentioned by Herman Ponzer, associate 
professor of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University. He's been researching human energetics and evolution for more than 20 years. And he has also done field work with the Hadza tribe. We've mentioned them. They're sort of a hunter-gatherer population that still exists in Tanzania. We've talked about them actually a couple times recently. The subtitle sort of gives it away of of what it's about. Mm. And the subtitle is New Research Blows the Lid Off How We Really Burn Calories, Stay Healthy, and Lose Weight. Mm-hmm. So yes, we've got a little bit of a hook on the on the cover there. And yep. yeah, I don't want to do a full review of the book. One, because I actually want people to read it. And, and two, because we've covered a bunch of the concepts in my own way as well. So this isn't going to be really like a summary blow by blow of I agreed with this and this is why all that stuff. But I do think kind of a general overview is, is helpful to kind of set the stage for this takeaway stuff. Basically, the book is this in-depth look at understanding how many calories you burn any given day. Mm -hmm. And so really that gets after understanding calories in calories out, which we discussed in the, whether a calorie is a calorie, just is whether a calorie is just a calorie podcast. But when you hear this phrase calories in calories out, it's really shorthand for the energy balance equation, which is saying calories in minus calories out equals the net change in energy. And it's this net energy change that is reflected in your body weight. So if the net change is positive, meaning you gain weight, then we know calories in is greater than calories out. And if the net change is negative, you lose weight, which means calories in is is less than calories out. And because most people are interested in weight loss, people want to know how to shift this balance, right, to make calories in less than calories out. And we talk about this all the time. The answers are diet and exercise, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. And so why? Because changing the diet would change calories in. And Mm -hmm. then exercise should change calories out. Now, this is where it'd be nice to have a whiteboard, but again, we're on a podcast. (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) You know, when we think about calories out, when we think about calories burned, we often think about it just as our workout. You know, I just burned Mm -hmm. calories because I went for a run. When, When really calories out, how many calories you burn any given day is best described by using four different components. And they are one, your BMR or your basal metabolic rate. This covers basic functions, heartbeat, core temperature, cognitive function, up to 60% of the calories you burn any given day are there. So majority of calories are on these basic physiological functions. Okay, that's the first component. The second component is TEF or thermic effect of food. This is how many calories you need to literally digest and absorb your food. You actually burn calories digesting your food. Mm -hmm. That's only up to about 10% of the calories any given day. Then the third component is NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is all the movement you do that is not a workout. So standing up at your desk, sitting down, doing chores, up and down the stairs, blinking, fidgeting, any of the body movement that you do, this counts towards the NEAT component. And that's about 10 to 20% of the calories you burn every day. And Mm -hmm. then finally there's EAT, exercise activity thermogenesis. And this is, I went to the gym and did a workout. How many calories did I burn? Now for our non-professional athletes, this is actually the smallest component. Only about five Mm -hmm. to 10% of the calories you burn any given day are in this. And so as we all know and say, if you increase your exercise, you can increase that portion. You can increase eat exercise activity thermogenesis. Therefore you would increase the total number of calories in this calories out component. And that's why we hear again, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. So Herman's main point, in my opinion, of course, I don't want to speak for him is that calories out for a variety of reasons. And especially over time, not just any one day, but especially once we look across weeks and months, calories out ends up matching up pretty well with calories in. 
that our biology adjusts so that we need, aka burn, as many calories as we take in. That these four components of calories out, BMR, TEF, NEAT, and EAT, aren't directly additive. That you can go increase your exercise and the number of calories you burn on any given day won't change by exactly the number of calories that your cardio machine said that you did. And therefore, Mm -hmm. in his, what I understand his opinion to be, focusing on more exercise as a primary strategy for weight loss is misguided. Hmm. Okay. So let's get into your five takeaways that you wanted to highlight and go through each one. So I'm going to just kind of lay them out first and then we'll go one by one. First one is when you want weight loss, focus on controlling diet more than increasing exercise. Second one is strength train, strength train, strength train. The third is you don't need to know calories out. The fourth is your food environment is the best nutrition hack. And the fifth is we learn why something works after we learn what works. Okay, so let's get in the first one first. When you want weight loss, focus on controlling diet more than increasing exercise. Yeah. I want to be clear about these takeaways. They're not from him. Like you're not going to see these as chapter titles. They're like, this is the major takeaway from the book. (laughs) Partially because I don't really want to do a blow by blow of the book. But really that these are my takeaways in light of our audience. What are the questions that people get? what was I kind of thinking about when I was reading this that really kind of re-solidified different concepts in my mind in in terms of application for individuals. Okay. So when you went weight loss, focusing on controlling diet more than increasing exercise. So this is sort of the whole premise of the book and what it does quite well, in my opinion, is explain that the values of calories in and calories out are not perfectly static. So I've said this before, but You'll hear this all the time. You know, let's say that a woman burns 2,000 calories a day, that if she eats 1,700 calories a day, well, then she's in a deficit by 300 calories, and so they'll lose about a half pound a week. And if they want to lose 10 pounds, we can look on the calendar how long that will take and circle the date and all of that stuff. But alas, (laughs) it doesn't seem to work out that way in real life. Why? Because as he explained so well, these these terms, calories in and calories aren't, aren't static. First, calories out, affects calories in. So when you ramp up exercise, when you go to do more cardio, more whatever it is at the gym, you are more hungry. So Mm -hmm. hunger signaling increases. And particularly if you are not tracking your intake, which again, most people don't do accurately, but left to your own devices, you're just going to eat more calories to compensate that energy spent. The body from a survival mode does not want to eat less than your burn. So unless someone is tracking closely, they are going to naturally closely match what they just burned. And again, this doesn't happen precisely on every single day, but this is why when you look across the longer term, this is what we sort of see happening. Then on the other hand, we also have calories in affecting calories out. That when somebody Mm -hmm. eats less, when they decrease calories in, the body adapts to become more efficient in energy production. And this is this concept of metabolic adaptation that we've talked about. But essentially, your body is sensing this drop in food coming in. And to prevent starvation, this adaptation allows the person to produce more energy, produce more calories from the same or less amount of food. So it's attempting to make the calories that you need or burn be the amount of food that you have coming in. Mm -hmm. So again, with an example, if you're taking in 2,500 calories from a survival standpoint, the body doesn't want to lose weight. So somehow it's going to adjust BMR, TEF, NEAT, and EAT so that it will sum closely to 2,500, mostly through this efficiency mechanism. We've explained this before, like you're becoming a Ford Prius instead of a Ford F-150 truck. 
that mm-hmm. you're going to get more miles to the gallon when you drop your intake. That's not really good when you want to lose weight. <laughs> yep. So let's say that you ramp up your exercise volume a lot. Yes, you're going to burn more in that eat or workout component, but the body will now make energy more efficiently in the neat component or the BMR components such that you burn closer to the number of calories you take in. So this means you might think, well, I've created a 500 calorie deficit on paper, but maybe in reality, it's half that. And so he's got a great line in there that I just love quote, our metabolism doesn't dictate energy balance. It responds to energy balance End quote, how mm-hmm. fast or slow our metabolism is, how meaning how many calories you burn each day is a response to trying to make calories in and calories out be as close as possible. Hmm. Now, spoiler alert, this is generally when people hear about this, when people get really frustrated and they're just thinking, well, diet and exercise are worthless. So done with that. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to bother with that anymore. The body just adjusts, not going to lose weight. Oh, well, no, we have plenty of evidence that diet and exercise are good things. We have plenty of evidence that people can and do lose weight. So fear not calories still apply. Exercise is still a good thing. There are some strategies that are better than others, such as don't do severe caloric deficits, eat whole unprocessed foods, all this other stuff. But we know that we can drive weight loss. It's just that these shifts in metabolism, it's this shifts in adaptation that help us explain why when you think you should have lost 10 pounds, you've only lost five. Mm-hmm. That your, your body defends against fat loss. And so we can't exactly predict what weight loss or even weight gain will look like in real life versus on paper. And so if how many calories you burn in many ways is this response is kind of this whole point of this book is this response to how much you're taking in, then we definitely have to put the primacy or the focus on the intake. You will Mm -hmm. be very, very frustrated if you just kind of keep going to the gym and not really monitoring intake and and not seeing weight loss. And and guess what? We see that play out all the time. So coming back to this first takeaway, it's like, Hey, you want weight loss? We best have a really good understanding on what that intake is. Mm. Got it. Okay. Second one, strength, train, strength, train, strength, train. The tongue twister. Glad you had to say it three times, not me. (laughs) He actually doesn't dwell on this much in the book. And I potentially would say this is the only criticism I really have the book because he doesn't really talk about the importance of strength training. In fact, there's a Mm -hmm. point in the study when he mentions these women I think it was like a year-long study, and they're trying to train these women to do a half marathon. And 40 weeks into the study, they've added four pounds of muscle, so some lean mass addition by running. And yet his point is, even with that four pounds of muscle mass, they're only burning 120 more calories per day. So you would think, wow, they're doing all this running. They're burning a lot of calories and running. Yes, they are, but now their body has adapted such that their overall calories out is only increased by 120 calories per day. And so mm-hmm. it's it's sort of suggesting that muscle mass, adding muscle mass isn't really the answer. This is where what's a little bit at odds with a big study that came out last year that he did, where he, it's not at odds, but it's just why I think he should have highlighted strength training better. In that study that we talked about, basically he found that the more muscle mass you have, the more calories that you're going to burn. That was, that was yeah. one of the big takeaways from it. And so to me, it's like, okay, We don't have many things that we control. When we look at the factors that go into basal metabolic rate, they come down to things like age, sex, genetics, and then lean mass. And then in lean mass, lean mass is not just muscle mass. It's also the mass of your organs and your skin and your bones, which we we don't really have control over. So Mm -hmm. we can control a fraction of the lean mass, which is the muscle mass. Oh, and guess what? If we increase that, yes, that will affect the overall number of calories you burn. And so to me, it's like, 
okay, yes, we don't have a ton of control, but heck, it's one of the only control points we have, so we better exploit it. <laughs> mm. And this is one way that we can increase our energy expenditure. And no, it's not a short-term thing. When we look at how much muscle mass people can add, like men can put on 30 plus pounds of muscle. Women can put on 20 plus pounds of muscle naturally. Yes, it won't happen in five months, but that will definitely change the amount of calories that you need each day. And so I think really it's just another good plug for why that needs to be part of a process, especially if the person is trying to lose weight. It's one of the best levers we have besides controlling intake. Third big takeaway is you don't need to know calories out. Yeah. I think we actually had a, a similar quick bites on this somewhat recently about somebody kind of adjusting their macros based on yeah. what a calculator said. And I think Herman does just a great job of explaining how difficult it is to calculate cal calories out and how difficult it is to get it right outside of this process called doubly labeled water, which is just a technique they use in a lab. And although accurate, not really accessible to us, mm -hmm. that it's really hard to get this right to any level of precision that matters. And I find with clients and with questions, people really want to know what this number is, I think, because then it would give them the precise number to target but the problem that we just kind of went through, it's not this fixed number. And that's what he explains so well, that it changes with your diet, it changes with your activity level and so on. And so the real important thing to know, which is so wonderful about this, is we don't actually need to know what it is. Mm. <laughs> we don't actually need to know because we just need to know the relative relationship between calories in and calories out to know what to do. So calories in, that's what you're eating, which, yes, it's hard to get right as he's as he discussed, because we tend to underestimate our consumption, but we still can assess it to some degree of accuracy. And I do this all the time in the masterclass. But if calories in is greater than calories out, we gain weight. If calories in is less than calories out, we lose weight. So if we track what we're eating and we watch what happens to our body weight, we know the relative relationship between calories in and calories out. We don't know if it's a hundred calorie difference. We don't know if it's 300 calorie difference, but we know the relative relationship. We don't need to know the exact value. I think the kicker for people and what makes this hard is you won't know this relationship on any single day. Like you won't mm -hmm. know, okay, today I ate this much and I am in a caloric deficit. We only know this when we look across a longer period of time. And I'm just going to put the two week marker out there, although that's not perfect. We have to look at a longer period of time to understand what this relative relationship is. But Stop trying to know what that number is. You don't need to know it. It's hard to measure. You don't need an app or a wearable or a website or coach to tell you what numbers to target. And this is the process that I go through in my masterclass and wasn't meant to be a plug for that, but it was just kind of nice, in my opinion, to be reading this book and for him to just kind of be slamming the approach and the wearables and devices for coming up with calories mm -hmm. out. When in reality, the best way to do it is to focus on your intake, make sure that that's really accurate, and then watch what happens to changes in body weight. Got it. Fourth one is controlling your food environment is the best nutrition hack. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of gives it away. I don't need to do a, mm -hmm. a deep dive on this one for sure, but he's just got some really great stuff in there about how our modern day foods kind of override our natural satiety mechanisms. We tend to overeat that. He talks about how palatable food doesn't predict satiety. So things that we find very tasty don't necessarily make us more full, which probably squares well with our experience eating chips. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he talks about the dopamine response that we have to these processed foods. It's one of the reasons why we're driven to eat them. But I think what's really interesting is it's like, okay, so we've got all this science, we've got all this rationale for why that's the case. And then what does he suggest? Eat mostly whole unprocessed foods and to make mm -hmm. your 
food environment full of those whole unprocessed foods. And, you know, I think in the nutrition space with all the noise out there, we keep looking for these hacks, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I find even, I think with my clients, it's, it's almost they're incredulous with like all this complete nonsense out there. And then they get to the quote, the answer of the secret of nutrition is like, keep it out of the house. Like you mm-hmm. mean, you mean I weeded through all of this crap out there on the internet to figure out that I just don't buy the stuff and that's yeah. what works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's sort of it. I mean, there really isn't a lot to do to control it. And so again, you know, uh, it was just kind of refreshing for me to see that as well. You know, it's a great book. He's got all the science. He's got all the evidence. It's like, okay, what's the solution? Don't keep it. Don't keep it around. Mm-hmm. And so our, our hacks end up being these incredibly simple strategies. I love one. I love that one. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, once you figure that it? out, it seems so <laughs> obvious. Yeah. But yes. Okay. So finally, the last big takeaway from this book, we learn why something works after we learn what works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, the subtitle is new research. Blows the lid off how we really burn calories, stay healthy, and lose weight. So what blows... What do you think? Because that was <laughs> yeah. clearly mar- like yeah, clearly a marketer yeah. took, took care of this. Yeah. What do you think his subtitle would have been? I know. I, I did research. <laughs> I, research done. Read, read I book. <laughs> I know. Caloric expenditure is... Con- <laughs> no, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. Caloric go, go. expenditure is constrained on a daily basis. <laughs> 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 yeah, to match calories in within a narrow range in the human species. <laughs> what was that thing you said? And I don't remember where where you got it, but we talked about it like early on in the podcast where it's hard to be interesting, interesting and right. Interesting and right, yeah. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yep. And so, yeah, this is what I mean. From a cover, you want to sell, and he's got great information. I, I hope people yep. read his book, and it's like new research blows the lid. You know, mm-hmm. and it is new research, but what blows the lid per se is this notion that increasing exercise is a poor weight loss strategy in part because of this metabolic adaptation and in part because we'll compensate what we eat to match how much we burn. And so, yes, it's new in the sense of like slogging away hours at the gym probably isn't going to drive the results that you want, that people can really increase their exercise and absent of tightly controlling calories by weighing and measuring, it doesn't really pay off to the degree that they might expect. So that's awesome. Really great stuff. Very interesting book, all of that stuff. But ultimately at the end of the day, what are the recommendations? Diet and exercise. So the application of this new knowledge of blowing the lid doesn't really change. And that's not a criticism, but I always like to think of like, okay, now I know this new stuff. How are my recommendations going to change? And it doesn't, it doesn't change anything Mm -hmm. at all. In fact, after the explanation that he has about how we don't need to be doing more exercise to burn more calories, to lose weight, what does he recommend about exercise? And this is from page 252. He says, quote, so how much exercise is best? More is the simple answer, Mm. end quote. So here we have someone who's proving to us that more exercise isn't going to drive the weight loss you want, yet he thinks people should be exercising more. And he goes into different reasons why that I'm not going to explain from a health and a chronic disease perspective. He also discusses, though, why exercise is so helpful from a weight loss maintenance perspective. So exercise might not help you drive the weight loss to the degree that you think, but it might help you maintain it, which, of course, everybody wants. Like, who wants to lose Mm -hmm. weight to then put it back on? He also talks about how exercise can help regulate appetite and hunger, So even though adding more cardio might not necessarily be burning all of this fat, like I suspect that when you do lose it, you're going to want to maintain it and also not be so hungry. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so exercise is still going to be part of this equation. We might understand what it's doing more, but it doesn't change the application much. Mm-hmm. And so again, walking away from this book, the application, in my opinion, of what to do doesn't change. And I think that's great. I'm not putting the book down because of that, but we just have to think about, okay, what are we now taking away from this from a practical application point of view? And so this gets to then the takeaway. We learn why something works, what the effect is of exercise on calories out after we learn what works, which is still eat mostly whole unprocessed foods and exercise. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just reminds me about gut health. I had somebody ask this question a few years ago, I think in my master class, and they were asking my opinion of what I think the next big thing will be in nutrition. And they yeah. gave the example of gut health. They were like, gosh, yep. we've learned so much about gut health now. We know so much more now than we did before. And I was sort of, I pushed back a little bit and it's like, yes, we do know more about gut health. We do know more about these species and we do know more about how they're affected by the diet, but what is still the application of good gut health? We talked about that in the podcast, right? It's like eat mostly whole unprocessed foods, Mm -hmm. (laughs) eat a diverse array of plant matter, get enough fiber. And so now we might have a better understanding of why those plant foods and the fiber is good, but the application is still the same. And so the scientific understanding tends to come after the observation of what works. Fascinating. Okay. So maybe just a wrap up, anything else worth mentioning about this book Mm. that you feel like would help people decide like, okay, I'm going to invest my time in reading that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, if you are confused about what metabolism is about burning calories, about calories in calories out, all of that is just great. I think it's probably some of the best science writing for mainstream that I've seen in, Mm. especially in a long time, but just I guess I would say ever, because <laughs> again, it's really hard to be interesting and right. I think it does a great job. I also just think there's some huge parts of the book, which I think this audience will love because he specifically calls out and talks about specific ideas and diets in the mainstream space, like Gary Taubes and the carbohydrate mm-hmm. insulin model, like low carb and paleo and carnivore. And so there's also lots of other topics that are covered beyond this idea of calories burned. And so, yeah, I think there's just a lot of different takeaways that I've certainly gotten as questions that people will have from this book. Cool. Thank you. We see again, that book is called Burn by Herman Ponsler. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. EC and I will be back next week for another episode of The Consistency Project. Team, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If you want even more bonus nutrition content, join my email list at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. A link is also in the show notes. I try to send out content weekly-ish. Again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email. This is also the best way to get a question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. You can click reply to any email I send out. And also, we really appreciate those five-star ratings and reviews. This does help get the podcast in front of new people, which then allows me to continue to bring more content to you all. So thanks so much for taking the time to do that.